Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. My name is Brefney Early and you're listening to episode 199 of the show. It is a coronavirus special on the show today and what we're trying to do is bring you the latest local information that you need to keep yourself safe, you and your families and everyone else that's associated with you away from as much risk as is possible. Now, we're trying to give you the facts and trying to bring you uh, from the horse's mouth in terms of some of the medical experts in the region. We'll be talking to uh, Dr. Donald Heeren, who's a GP registrar in in uh, Sligo University Hospital. He's been on the front page of the Leitrim Observer this week and last week uh, with his views on the government response to this crisis and what needs to be done. We're going to be hearing from him in his own words what exactly that entails. We'll also be checking in with Dr. Alan Loftus, who is based in Drumshambo, obviously Declan, um, his, Dr. Declan Loftus, his father, Alan, now working in the practice in Drumshambo. And he'll be telling us about the practical side of uh, attending a doctor if you're showing symptoms, what you actually have to do, as well as the impact on the medical services locally here. Um, we've picked Drumshambo Health Centre, but I think will apply to pretty much any other health centre across the region. So bear in mind that this is a, an ever-moving set of goalposts. We don't quite know what tomorrow is going to bring at this very, very challenging time for anybody in the county and far and far beyond around the entire planet. None of us are unaffected by this particular virus. It is an opportunity on the positive side to maybe get to know your family again. Uh, <clears throat> there's no distractions for most people in terms of work. Uh, hopefully you haven't uh, started fighting with each other just yet, uh, but I think everybody's in the same boat, and it's a really nice opportunity maybe to to get drawing or writing or whatever that skill that you've never quite had the opportunity or the time to really focus on now is that opportunity so i think every every situation does bring with it opportunities so as we await um developments in this spread of this virus i think it's important that we all kind of stick together and keep looking out for each other and i've been really heartened by the the goodwill gestures from our sports clubs across the county in terms of setting up rotas uh, to help those who are vulnerable who have to self-isolate for travel or health reasons and uh, the businesses that have been just forthcoming with offers left right and center of help to anyone who needs it those who are worried those who are anxious those who are vulnerable and also those who are fighting on the front lines our emergency services our healthcare professionals and those who are looking out for those people in our society that need the help take the time to spend a bit of time with your family with your communities digitally there are opportunities there to talk to people we will have some some nice gestures on the show we'll be launching something tomorrow morning i think you're going to enjoy uh, charlie mcgettigan is going to be producing uh, a maybe half hour 40 minute show live from his kitchen live from his his living room uh, to try and entertain you we're going to be doing that regularly over the next couple of weeks here on leitrim daily uh, just with different musicians from around the county uh, maybe showcasing their talents a little bit giving them a bit of a platform within the county to to share some of their talent but also to for us to kind of forget about the the virus and maybe enjoy a little bit of music or drama or whatever we might be able to bring up over the next couple of weeks there's more to come on that it's an evolving situation but we will be starting tomorrow night thursday 
with Charlie McGettig and doing a live performance at 8pm. All the details will be on our Facebook page. So just look for Leitrim Daily on Facebook uh, or look for Charlie McGettig and you'll get all that information at some stage tomorrow morning. We'll have all that information available for you. Anyway, moving on, uh, we have a very Drumshambo focus talking about Charlie McGettig. We have a very Drumshambo focus show today. We'll be talking to Dr. Donald Heeran, who, as I mentioned, has been on the front page of the local paper, the Leitrim Observer, for the last two weeks. His articles are very very worthwhile reading they're very honest uh, they're slightly scary in places but for the most part it's the factual information about the spread of this virus the lessons that we can learn from other countries and it's very precise and very exact and well worth checking out if you haven't read them but i'm guessing at this stage you've probably already seen them on social media and on the front page of the paper for the last two weeks but just take a moment to read them we will link them in the description they're, they're, uh, they're eye-opening. But at the same time, it's important that you know where we're likely to be. Uh, we speak to Dr. Alan Loftus, as I mentioned, about the local situation in terms of the practicalities of what is on, a, is on our doorstep here and what people need to do. And we'll also talk to the chairman of Leitrim County Council, Councillor Enda McGloin, about uh, what is involved in terms of the services and supports from the county council that are still required across the county over the next few weeks and as he says himself months as this uh, pandemic spreads through our towns and our villages which is almost inevitable at this stage it's just a matter of when we will hear all about Dr Donald Heron's requests to help flatten the curve and it's really important that we allow our health service to really cater for us anyway I'm waffling at this point better hear it from the actual experts that's what today's show is all about let's start with Dr Heron and we'll hear about why he was felt compelled to write to the local media and the national media to help in any way he can uh, help uh, spread the, the the best ways to deal with this particular virus. Here is him in his own words. Now, anyone who's been reading the Leitrim Observer for the last two weeks can't help but have seen the name Dr. Donald Heeran on the front page of the paper both weeks. Two very well-crafted letters to anyone who wants to listen to them, essentially, but really, I think, aimed at the government and the key decision-makers in the light of the coronavirus outbreak uh, over the last few months, essentially, worldwide. He joins me now. Dr. Donald Heeran, welcome to the programme. Hi, Bertrand. Thanks for having me on. It feels kind of weird calling you Dr. Donald Heron because we used to kick lumps out of each other. Well, you, I'd kick lumps out of you when I could catch you um, back in the day in, in football pitches, but you've moved on a bit from that in your teenage years and your early 20s. Tell us a bit about your career over the last few years and just, I suppose, what makes you an authority to talk about about this. Uh, thanks, Bertrand. I think we were usually on the wrong side of the beatings when Alan Gales were playing St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, but I, after that, I, I studied pharmacy in Trinity College and qualified in 2005. I worked full-time as a pharmacist until 2011, including a year in New Zealand. Um, I went back to college in 2011, studied medicine in uh, UCC in Cork, uh, graduated in 2015. Um, and currently I'm working back in Leitrim. I'm a doctor in training or a GP in training. I have another eight, 16 months to go before I can go out on my own, but I'm qualified as a doctor for five years. So you're very well placed from a whole range of different medical experience to talk about this. And what's impressed me has, I read your letter last week 
and I thought it was very sensible, uh, very straight to the point and laid out a very good framework. Now, we've adopted a fair whack of that in the last seven days since that was published. Uh, and you're back on the p- paper again this week with uh, another uh, another uh, letter. Talk to us about where that came from and the motivation for that based on what you've observed over the last few weeks. I think the government deserves deserves praise and should be commended for the tough decision that it made to um, close the schools. Um, it did so at a much earlier stage than Italy did. It took Italy almost five weeks to close schools. Um, we did it in um, less than two weeks after our first case. Um, we're lucky that we have the lesson or we can see what happens in Italy. Um, so it was a very brave decision. However, since then, I think the momentum has stalled a lot. Um, I think there are other measures that can be put in place, other stricter measures that I expect and I hope the government uh, will put in place. But I, I thought they would be in place at this stage. Yeah, in terms, I suppose, of, of population buy-in, had we tried to put everybody in lockdown a few months weeks back, because even myself... I suppose three, four weeks ago was saying it's going to be fine. It's just a flu. We'll all get it. We'll pass on it. It'll be fine. And it, it turns out it's it's way more serious than that. Yes, um, I think the the reality or the gravity of the situation um, is dawning on people and um, slowly. And I think many people or a lot of people certainly realise what's facing us now. But I think. Now is the time for the government to be bold. Um, I think listening to Dr. Michael Ryan um, from the WHO, who has a great experience from dealing with Ebola outbreaks, he says that perfection is the enemy of the good, and that speed trumps perfection. He says that the greatest error is not to move. Um, so we we can see what happened with Italy. Um, Italy, there was almost 500 deaths today. Um, they have almost 4,000 new cases every day. So that potentially will be us down the line. And if we get to that stage, um, our hand will be forced um, to introduce mass quarantine um, like the Italians have done, because there's no other way then. But why not do it now? Um, why not um, start early and, and be bold um, just like uh, Dr. Michael Ryan advises. Well, you mentioned Dr. Michael Ryan, and of course he had a viral video this week from a press conference he gave on this very issue. We might just take a bit of that and just hear it in his own words, because I think it's very evocative and very honest from someone at the head of the World Health Organization. I think what we've learned in Ebola outbreaks is you need to react quickly. You need to go after the virus. You need to stop the chains of transmission. You need to engage with communities very deeply. Community acceptance is hugely important. You need to be coordinated. You need to be coherent. You need to look at the other sectoral impacts, the schools and security and economic. So it's essentially many of those same lessons. But the the lessons I've learned after so many uh, Ebola outbreaks in in my career are be fast, uh, have no regrets. You must be the first mover. The virus will always get you if you don't move quickly Uh, and you need to be prepared and I I say this one of the great things in emergency response and anyone who's involved in emergency response will know this if you need to be right before you move you will never win perfection is the enemy of the good when it comes to emergency management
speed trumps perfection. And the problem in society we have at the moment is everyone is afraid of making a mistake. Everyone is afraid of the consequence of error. But the greatest error is not to move. The greatest error is to be paralyzed by the fear of failure. And I think that's the single biggest lesson I've learned in Ebola responses in the past. That, of course, was Dr. Michael Ryan, who is the head of the World Health Organization, an expert on these uh, pandemics. He's dealt with Ebola, as you mentioned earlier on in, in the piece as well, Donald. In terms of the steps going forward, now you said that the government have moved faster than the Italians inside two weeks, closing the schools and public gatherings versus five weeks. Will that help us flatten the, that curve to keep... We've all seen the images on, on our television screens over the last few weeks. Will it allow us to flatten the curve to where we will be able to cope and prevent preventable deaths because from what i understand it's not necessarily the virus that kills people it's the lack of resources to support the people with the virus all at once that will bump those deaths up inevitably when and probably it's not even a case of if they come it's it's more a case of when they come at this stage surely yes um so what the government introduced was called social distancing, and it's known as a non-pharmaceutical intervention, an NPI. And when something like that is introduced, it could be up to two weeks before the effect of that in- intervention is seen. So going on current figures, the government is predicting um, 15,000 cases of coronavirus in Ireland by the end of March. So we'll, we'll see by the end of the March if introducing those uh, the NPIs or the social distancing has reduced that below the 15,000. Um, so it, it's really important that we keep that case number as low as possible. There's a certain amount of people um, will die, unfortunately, from the coronavirus. The experience worldwide is around 1-3%. to 3%. However, in Italy, the mortality is north of 7%. And The reason being is that when you get a a very high caseload very soon, like the high peak, it means that your hospital system, in particular your ICU, becomes overloaded. When your ICU becomes overloaded, people cannot get the mechanical ventilation machines that that are needed and uh, you get a very high mortality rate. So it's really... The, the main goal is to try and flatten that curve or flatten that peak so that we we, we we get the same number of cases overall, but we try and spread them out over a longer period of time to give our, our hospital system, to give our staff and our equipment um, just a, a chance to deal with smaller numbers. In your opinion, um, have the government put steps in place to to make that a realistic outlook for the Irish people, that we will have this longer period of time, but people able to be treated as and when they need it? Um, I I think that the government is in a very tricky situation. It's easy for me to say what needs to be done. Um, I can just see the hospital systems, and I know that if we get 15,000 cases by the end of the March, that will require 750 ICU beds. Now, before the coronavirus uh, pandemic, we had 250 ICU beds in Ireland, um, and they were at 80 to 90 percent capacity. Um, so, our, at, at current growth, our secondary care system, our hospitals, 
um, simply simply cannot cope. Now, as I said, it's easy for me to spot that, and the government surely knows this, but they have to take other um, things into consideration. They're trying to balance the economy, and they're trying to take direction from Europe, and they're trying to get Irish people home from Spain and other countries um, by Thursday night. But we really need to we really need to take into consideration um, the experience of the experts who have um, dealt with coronavirus in other countries and have been successful. There's a famous, uh, a well-renowned Chinese respiratory specialist called Jean Manchine, um, and he's a veteran of of SARS and now this new SARS called called two. And he said last week um, that if 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 the governments um, of the world um, take proper measures, they can be brought under control by June. And what he means by proper measures is what China has done. China went into, or forced to go into full lockdown. That means nobody um, allowed outside their home except for food and for healthcare. All, all workers stay at home except those in, uh, involved in food and healthcare. Um, and there were very strict penalties um, in China and indeed in Singapore as well for anyone who broke that self-isolation. Um, also, we, we need to close international borders um, to limit non-essential travel and possibly that may be coming um, Thursday. Yeah, it's all quite scary. I don't really want to scare people completely though because I think if people stay indoors for the most part, and they self-isolate and don't come into contact with people, I think people will probably get through this. It just may take a lot longer than people maybe are giving it credit for at the moment. Is that too simplistic a viewpoint? No, I think you're exactly right. Um, this is a human virus, and and human viruses, like all viruses, can't, uh, can't survive outside um, the body for very long. Uh, we don't know how long this coronavirus can survive outside the human body. Some studies suggest up to three days. We know that other members of the coronavirus family can survive outside the body for up to nine days. So this could be a tough virus, but we don't really know. The important thing is if we limit our interaction with people, if we um, stay away from each other, we, we reduce the risk of passing the virus onto one another um, and eventually we, we will control uh, the spread of us. Okay, well listen Donald, thanks very much for giving us your time this evening to have a chat with us. Um, I appreciate people listening to this maybe slightly scared. We're going to talk to Alan or to Dr. Alan Loftus from Rochambeau um, about the practical side of this in more detail later in the show. But Dr. Donald here, and thanks for giving us the, the real uh, ver- version of where we're going. I think people have, have believed this themselves anecdotally. They've talked about three or four months where there's going to be very limited um, opportunities to get outdoors, to mingle, to mix, to have public gatherings. And I think we need to be prepared for that um, eventuality down the road. So thank you very much for being very honest. Um, don't be alarmed, though, is what my advice would be to people. Uh, we will hear from um, a local GP, as I said, and we'll, we'll probably talk about more the practical side of what people can control in their own day-to-day lives. Uh, Dr. Heeran, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me this evening. Thank you, Bethany. Now, of course, we've all been advised to stay indoors and look after ourselves. But 
Our health service professionals have been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks and it's just getting a bigger and bigger workload for them. I'm joined by local general practitioner, GP in Drumshambo, Dr. Alan Loftus. Alan, welcome to the programme. Thanks very much, Daphne, and thanks for having me on. Well, thank you very much for giving us the time to have a chat with us because I understand, or I can only imagine how busy life is at the moment in the health service in Ireland. Tell us a little bit about how this has affected uh, the GP services. We'll talk about maybe advice for for, for patients and for potential uh, sick uh, patients over over the course of the next few weeks. But how has this impacted on the day-to-day running of a, a busy GP surgery? Sure. Um, I suppose, yeah, it's, it, it's been a whirlwind, I suppose, really started last week. And, and you could really feel it building as, as the week goes on. And... I have never experienced anything like last Thursday when uh, our, our Taoiseach was given that speech on Thursday and, and our phones just went berserk. Um, so, look, at, there is a lot of, of panic and a lot of hysteria out there and, and we completely get that and, and you know, are, are doing our best, I suppose, be as available as we, as we can for everybody. Um, I just wanted to reiterate, I'm, I'm on here as a GP. Um, I'm, I'm not a infectious diseases doctor, um, you know. So um, from the GP perspective, I suppose, again, we're learning like everybody else. Um, this is not to the fore of, of, of what we generally um, would work in. So, so like everybody else, we've had to take it step by step. And, and people probably noticed that, you know, the, the I suppose, getting to see a GP, the rules around that and how we, we do that changed as, as the week progressed. Um, and different practices did that in different ways. Um, I suppose we made the decision probably from what we were hearing back from the um, the ICGP, the Irish College of General Practitioners, was really we run a walk-in clinic, which I suppose is very popular with, with patients. And uh, unfortunately, we had to pull that. Now, the reason for that, I suppose, is, is to limit the numbers. It allowed us, number one, a chance to triage patients. So if people were ringing in for appointments, it allowed our secretarial staff to screen. Did they have concerns over COVID? Did they have any respiratory symptoms? So then if they did, they got moved off and we then had a list that they were going to be phoned back. It also then, um, instead of a walk-in clinic, you then have people coming at a lot of time. So again, it prevented people coming into into the waiting room um, in, in large masses. So it allowed us to kind of to, to streamline that. Um, that was working well and then unfortunately the, the next thing came the next wave and, and we have now moved to actually trying to keep our waiting room free so when people arrive into our waiting room in the main they will ring in I'm outside and we'll ring them back to say when you when you, the doctor is free or the nurse is free to, to come in and this is all fine but the problem is, is, is it just takes that little bit longer and um, I suppose the main thing is has been our phones, um, and especially since since Monday, our our phones have the the volume of, of phone calls has been at times very unmanageable. Um, I want to take this opportunity to thank our own staff in Drumshamble, the the secretaries, the nurse, our doctors have been absolutely fantastic. Um, but I suppose the we only have a certain number of lines, and and I suppose the HSE have have thought that the best way of managing this is by calling your GP and that's fine we're we're up to help in whatever way we can however this has to be manageable so um so people have been advised to ring in they talk to our secretaries they're triaged and then either a, a doctor or a nurse rings people back try and get a background and then the decision is made on, on where we proceed from there um so yeah so volume wise work wise it's 
it's definitely a massive step up for us. Um, so it is, and and I suppose I would urge people to just be cautious of of that. Um, I, just to give a small input in, into Monday, I suppose when people couldn't get through on the phones, they were starting then to, to actually turn up at the practice. And so that was really not what we wanted. We were trying to prevent that. And, and so just have a little bit of patience. You know, if it's very, very busy and you're not getting through, go off, have a cup of tea and try again later on. Um, so we will, um, we're not leaving. We're, we're staying until we can manage as much as we can on that day. So that's, that's generally uh, kind of what's, what's been going on. It says it's, it's an evolution every day um so what we say today might have changed again tomorrow but um but we're, we're rolling with us in terms of the practicalities of it alan you're seeing so many extra patients how many of the like percentage ballpark percentages of the people who present to you require testing and 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 of that percentage maybe what percentage if any have tested positive at this point okay so thankfully Bethany, nobody is actually presenting and we haven't had and then I thank our patients for this. Not one patient has presented through our door at the desk saying, I am concerned that I have um, COVID-19. Everybody has been very, very good and are ringing ahead. Um, So everything that has a respiratory element to it or there's concerns that they may have this infection or flu-like symptoms, they're ringing ahead. They're being fully triaged. Um, So we have allotted one doctor to just returning phone calls um and um and i suppose a lot of that i mean the phone calls have varied very much from look i work in such and such i deal with the public i have this underlying condition what should i do so 50 percent of the calls will be along that line so 50 percent is yes i have you know i am concerned i have these symptoms um and that has certainly ramped up since Monday last week it was a lot more kind of what should I do a lot more information whereas this week has been I think I have symptoms or I have XYZ what should I do um, so really I suppose and, and we have ramped up our referrals for, for testing at this point as well um, I think it's important for, for public health to, to know where clusters are who's been infected and it's also important for people themselves to know because of their jobs and their, their livelihood and keeping this whole thing going it's important for them to know whether they do have the infection um, so certainly you know if they're symptomatic, um, you know, we have concerns we've used our clinical judgement they're being referred on for, um, for swabbing um, Bethany, I, I hope you appreciate. I'm not going to discuss exact numbers or, or whether we've yeah. had any positives at this stage. <laughs> Absolutely, no. I, I didn't really expect you to, to be honest. I just thought maybe in, in general, yeah. in general figures, you might be able to give us an indication as to maybe the likelihood of the people who have presented and actually have really been in 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 that space where they should be tested in in a professional opinion, if that makes sense. I suppose really for peace of mind because there'll be people listening to this who who feel I had a cough, I had a sneeze. I, have a, I feel a little bit hot. It could be they're wearing too much clothes in a warm room, and yet they're going, could I have the virus? And they're, and they're putting extra pressure on the health service as it is, and maybe just to kind of allay some fears and say, well, if there's only like 5% or 10% in our opinion of the people who've contacted us, we've referred on for testing. I, just in terms of, of getting that kind of... I suppose really I'm, I'm trying to give people some hope that maybe it's it's not worth bothering the health service unless they have certain things so who should be contacting you is what i'm trying to get at really um in terms okay. of like what what are, what are the symptoms that people should really be okay now i have to contact my doctor 
Yeah, well, well, one thing I would say on that, Brefney, and, and, you know, I know there's a lot of pressure on us, but if people are concerned, that's what we are there for. So if people are genuinely sitting at home and they think, God, I'm not really sure what I, what I should be doing here, then firstly, there is a lot of really, really good information on websites such as the hse.ie. I would always say to people, look, make that your first port of call. There's links from there into the, um, the HPSE. Um, they have really good algorithms, really good information on what are the symptoms, what should I do, good information about pregnancy, good information about elderly, immunocompromised, self-isolation, distance control, all of those sorts of things. So that would be a very good first port of call to go to. Everybody has access to the internet. You're sitting at home. Go on there. See what, what that says. If you're still sitting at home going, oh, I'm still not sure, then pick up the phone. We're here. We're as a guidance. Um, you know, we're your family doctor. So if we can help people and let us then decide, take the impetus off yourself. Let us decide whether you need swabbing or not. Um, because this is evolving so fast, it is so hard to say, like, from last week to this week, yes, the number of swabs have increased because the criteria is changing as well. The algorithms that we're being guided upon, that changed from last week to this week. It, it, it actually changed quite a number of times last week. Um, it, it has been set yesterday, today. It hasn't changed that much. So, so criteria, you're coming back to your, you know, the respiratory thing seems to be one that's, that's cropping up all the time. A cough. doesn't really matter what type of cough it is. So a cough would be one. Do you have a fever? Do you have chills? Have I a sore throat? Have I aches and pains? Um, they would certainly be symptoms. Um, then you do have to link it back. Have I been in contact with somebody who, who has been diagnosed or who has been traveling or is also unwell? Um, that's really important information to, to let your GP know about. Um, so it is and also that would incur you to to kind of get in contact as well um so i'm afraid as i said numbers wise there's not i would certainly say to people look at if you're worried check the websites first if you're still worried get in contact with us okay and i think that advice probably applies to whoever your your gp might be across the county thank you very much dr alan loftus for joining me and for allaying i hope some of the fears of some of the people listening to the show today thank you so much and the very best of luck to you and your staff as you go on with this thanks very much definitely sorry if there was just one one other thing that i absolutely mentioned that's that's not related to this um and and i just would encourage people look at general practice medicine does not stop because we're dealing with COVID-19 okay I don't want people sitting at home worried about kind of you know their heart or their blood pressure or you know their diabetes if people still we are open yes we will try and 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 do what we can to, to keep people out but if people want to access their GP pick up the phone um, and, and as it says, we'll, we'll make arrangements for you to be seen. The second thing that, that is coming up a lot in general practice is people's mental health. Look, at, we are being bombarded right now. TV, media, radio, shows like this, which are very important and very, you know, information driven, which is great. But people pick and choose. Don't always have the radio on. Don't divulge too much of this. It's, it's a lot. Be careful of each other. Watch for people with underlying mental health conditions. This is a time of high anxiety and high concern. Um, so, look at get out, get your exercise. You know, talk to each other by phone. Keep the lines of communication over. Um, and, and as it says, look out for each other. 
Dr. Loftus, you couldn't have put it better myself. Thank you so much for joining me. And as I was about to say, the very best of luck to you, your staff, your your colleagues in the health service. And uh, it's a tough time for everybody, but especially those of you on the front line. So, so well done and keep the good work going. Thanks very much, Brafton. And, and just the thing on the front line, we're all on the front line. We all have a duty to, to defeat this, and so we do. So, as I said, we're all on the front line. We're in this together. Now, of course, we all are in uncertain times, uncharted territory for most of us. And I'm joined by the chairman of Leitrim County Council, Enda McGloin, to discuss the impact on services from the council, if any, and what local residents and people in the county need to know about engaging with the county council and the services that are there. Enda, welcome back to the programme. Thank you for having me. I think when we spoke last, nobody envisaged the situation that we're now in. I don't think people have really contemplated this happening outside of a Hollywood movie. In terms of, in terms of all of the, the announcements that we've been following from national sources over the last couple of weeks, what can you add to that in terms of the local situation here with Leitrim County Council? I suppose I'm best placed to advise your listeners and um, in relation to the local authority and the services that it provides. Um, but I'm glad to say that um, you know business is tr- is ongoing with Leitrim County Council as much as possible within the guidelines uh, that the government have set out in relation to public safety. And uh, the local authority under its management has uh, established a business continuity crisis team which meets on a daily basis uh, to review and respond to the issues as they arise. So every effort is made to ensure the continuity of business across all the services. So I suppose in a nutshell, the services of Leitrim County, County Council uh, Brefney remain operational and I suppose the, what we're trying to do and what the local authority is trying to do is limit contact and minimise the risk of spreading the virus. So the decision to restrict access to all of Leitrim County Council premises has been taken and we ask the public um, to engage with the local authority and to access their services either online or uh, for example by email or over the telephone with, as of now. And um, this is to avoid unnecessary face-to-face interaction and to facilitate the social distancing as recommended by government guidelines. Now, the other bit of news is, I suppose, our libraries, which is uh, a very important community, is unfortunately not available, as is the civic community sites, which are located at Manor Hamilton and Mohol. And, um, for example, Park Lane House, where a lot of people might go in and inquire in relation to water, and the Manor Hampton area offices, including that, are closed to the public until further notice. So, our, just on the day-to-day for, as a local authority member, uh, our county council meetings, our municipal authority meetings, they have all uh, been postponed indefinitely. Um, and I suppose the best thing is the public are being kept informed of all developments uh, through the social media channels and website. And uh, you might see our outdoor workers are still working away dealing with the day-to-day usual work what they do for example just earlier today the the, um, the the redevelopment of the car park on the Mart Road in Shambo saw the lads out there today fencing around it so that type of work is ongoing it's where the interaction face-to-face services that people would take for example motor tax um, people have been asked really to, to look at doing that online where possible <laughs> 
Absolutely. Now, you mentioned the library and then, of course, online services. There is a borrow box facility from the library for anyone who wants to keep their their books up to date. It's all electronic, so there's no physical requirement to be in any one place. And I know details are on your social media accounts as well. So most of your services do have a digital option and maybe it's up to people to to define out what they are and get themselves set up and registered for those services and that's still doable by phone right yes absolutely yeah and and as i said there is there is that ability to email as well and the phone numbers are being manned there uh, during the normal operational business hours so anyone that has any sort of a query at all they're concerned about you know I guarantee you that Leitrim County Council staff are willing and eager uh, to help the general public in Leitrim. Now most people do have access to the internet via phones or broadband connections at home but Leitrim is and it's been a problem for a long long time does have struggles with with broadband what recommendations are there if someone doesn't have an internet connection to avail of any of these services what would you recommend or what would the the council advice be on that well i suppose there is the option to make a phone call and look at it if at all necessary there will be some uh, times where people might have to directly engage um, with an official because they can't have access to internet so uh, in those canaries situations uh, Brethany they would be make a phone call make an arrangement to meet somebody and the normal guidelines will apply in terms of uh, distancing social distancing um, so in other words that through the power of the phone call I suppose any outstanding issue can be dealt with that way and if a meeting has to be set up or the person has to come in then that will be arranged and we'll adhere strictly to the guidelines set up by government. I suppose in terms of uh, the real situation going forward a lot of businesses in the county have closed a lot more have adapted their services to to match the guidelines as you've mentioned. In terms of the cost of doing business in the county um, can we talk about two things just before I let you go and that's the local property tax and is there any impact on that given the situation with a large number of people in the county and around the county suddenly finding themselves out of work and secondly uh, the commercial rates let's start maybe with the local property tax for families uh, particularly those who are going through hardship times or are looking into an uncertain future ahead employment wise well as you know the government have set up a facility that people who find themselves suddenly unemployed there is a facility there um, that employers uh, pay the, the minimum unemployment rate and uh, they are facilitated through that network. So the employer then reclaims it back. So the local property tax is a national tax, it's the same as any tax. Um, it's set by, by the local rate is set by ourselves in the local government, but also it's, 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 it's a tax that's collected by the revenue commissioners at the end of the day. So the local authority has no interaction in relation to, to collecting that tax. So uh, it's up to national government to decide at some stage or other uh, over the next period of time whether they propose to do anything about that. Uh, I suspect that because anyone that finds themselves unemployed uh, will get some level of compensation. Banks likewise in terms of uh, freeze on, on mortgage payments for a period of time and all of that. So in terms of the rates uh, again there's nothing decided on that. A lot of businesses have closed and will be closed for a number of months, maybe up to three months and uh, while there's nothing decided yet I think most members would advocate a scenario where by a percentage would be reduced on the overall bill. So if, for example if if a premises was closed for say three months um, that's a quarter of the year so the most obvious thing to suggest in my view would be a reduction of 25% minimum but that's just 
you know, a, a simple mathematical sum. And again, the rates is, a, again, a national uh, law. It's, it's, it's collected by the local authority. Um, but in terms of, of giving some sort of discounts, you know, the, the, the government lay down the law in that respect. So I imagine as members we have to uh, go back uh, to the member to the management of the local authorities, come up in imaginative ways to deal with a scenario where there is no way I can see a scenario. I wouldn't. I find it very difficult to support anything where 100% rates would be demanded for premises that was that was had to close during this period. There's obviously other businesses who wouldn't be necessarily affected. Like for example, take a big large supermarket, uh, some of which have experienced strong demand over the last and will remain open during the period. You know, to suggest that they would have any reduction in the rates wouldn't happen. I think any business directly affected, a pub, a restaurant, uh, all of those sorts of business, a retail store, that just found for the safety of their customers and of their staff that they had to close during the period of this this emergency, then obviously we have to look very strongly at a rates rebate for them when their bill comes finally at the end of the year. In terms of a small and medium-sized company in the county, though, would there be ramifications if somebody just said, you know what, we're going to prioritise our people, our staff, and we're maybe not going to engage with the rates? How, what would you recommend a company do? They're looking at limited enough resources or, or, or reserves. Um, what should they be prioritising now at this point in time, in, in your opinion? Well, I never. I think the most important thing is to always engage with the local authority. That's what has been happening. Like even before this emergency arose, numerous, numerous number of businesses in difficult times have found it difficult at times to be able to come up to be able to afford their um, to pay their rates, and they have come in, sat down with the local authority staff, and discussed ways and means how to deal with that. And that has worked for many people so far over the last number of years. I mean, think back to 2007, 2008, up to 2012, when there was a serious downturn in the economy and people were faced with large rate bills at that stage. And we, for most cases, worked through it. Uh, local authority uh, staff were able to devise budgetary plans and in relation to the payment over years. So, look, at, there's always that access to that power if people find them in trouble. But, look, at, in terms of the three, if, if it is a scenario what's predicted, that some places, some requirement will be that places will be closed for three months, then obviously the most obvious thing in the world would be that government would have to look at that as part of an overall package and make a recommendation to local authorities uh, that there would be a certain level of discount to compensate any premises that had to close or could not trade uh, in that particular period of time. Any business could trade and did trade okay, well then obviously you know, one size doesn't fit all. They will, they will, they will be asked to pay uh, their normal rates. But any business had to close or to reduce their hours will have to make a case to the local authority. Now, in terms of uh, the scenario where local authority is down that money, um, then that means, in effect, that a lot of the services that are promised to people, for example, certain level of roads funding, uh, various other social funding across the broad range of local authority services would be affected. So I think in that scenario, the way the government is uh, facilitating payments to uh, some agencies across the country, then local authorities will have to get some uh, extra leverage in terms of funding to compensate for any level of rates that they would reduce in terms of bills that they would not be able to collect from their customers across the county. So 
you've it's kind a complicated of complicated scenario, but, but yeah, it has to be dealt with. You've kind of preempted my next question, really, which was uh, in terms of the impact this might have on the the day to day finances of Leitrim County Council. Like, what are are the council's reserves like? Um, can we afford to take a hit for the next three months, as you, as you mentioned yourself? Is that something that we would struggle to to just survive day to day, pay our own staff? Well, look, I suppose in terms of rates, Leitrim County Council would not be the worst county. In other words, we're not not massively dependent. Um, you know, I think it's about 12%, 13% of our total income because we have a very small rate base. But uh, I read a recent article there in the Irish Times where the Dublin city manager uh, basically said that if they weren't able to collect the rates fully, that the services would suffer, that basically the local authority would not be able to deliver their day-to-day services to the general public so effectively that's where government has to come in as part of an overall package and um, you know a case will have to be made that whatever funding is down then obviously it'll have to be compensated by central government but I mean Leitrim County Council at their budget uh, last December November rather put together a very strong package of investment in, in, in Leitrim. We have a number of successful applications under the Department of T- Tourism, uh, sorry, Department of Rural and Community Affairs. And that means that whatever funding we're getting, 20% of that has to come from our own coffers. So on that basis, we drive that money from LPT receipts and from rates. So part of the reason we looked at rates and LPT this time was to be able to match fund a lot of that investment and that's the millions that's been invested in Carrick and Shannon Manor Hamilton and Ballinamore so you know if we find that we're struggling uh, then some of those particular projects and some future projects will have to be scaled back in order that we uh, be able to uh, keep a budget some way intact and that's the downside of not being able to collect the rates so many businesses for example take Carrick and Shannon we're looking forward to a big development in the town centre, likewise in Ballinamore and, and indeed Manor Hamilton, and uh, they expect to see that development taking place and they want to see it for the future of their business. So we're caught in a vicious circle here. So hopefully, uh, in some way or other, they, we were, were, it's good to see uh, that the government have, have, have stated very, very clearly, Breffney, that the money that they have for the Rainy Day Fund and the, the, that would be used alongside the Brexit funding. And as the Taoiseach said, that this country is in a good state to borrow. Some people don't like to hear about it, but we will have to borrow, in my view, uh, to be able to uh, kickstart this economy again when this virus passes. And and people will want to see that. We There's 140,000 people have to date today claimed um, this particular benefit on the basis of lost their jobs. We would hope that most of them people would be able to return to work in a couple of months' time. But in order to get kickstart any sort of... Uh, a tourism season, a commercial season for all these businesses, you know, we need a, a required stimulus and we need money back in the economy to deliver that. And that's what I hope would happen. But we have a long way to go yet to see to see that come to fruition. OK, well, unfortunately, and that's all we have time for. But thank you very much for, for chatting to me about everything that's going on with the, the world of Leitrim County Council at the moment and, and how this uh, covid I suppose it's a pandemic at this stage, as, as declared by the World Health Organization, has affected our services. It's great to hear so many of the things still going on and some, so many good supports still available from the County Council. Just a reminder to people, the offices themselves are closed, but you can still continue to engage with the Council via phone and online and all the contact details and the best ways to do that are on your social media and your website. Thanks very much, Enda McGloin, Councillor and Chairman of Leitrim County Council, to chat to me. 
Thank you, Brefni. Pleasure. Thank you. And that, folks, is a very sobering current affair here on Leitrim Daily. We will be coming in over the next days and weeks with updates on all of this as it evolves. It is very much uh, a, a work in progress. Keep an eye on the national media, but as Dr. Loftus said, not too regularly. Have a daily check-in. Find out what the latest um, suggestions are in terms of practices for hand-washing, for hygiene, for mixing, for distances to stay away from people. Isolate where possible. Uh, Really, really try and look after yourselves and your families and your communities. We're all in this together. And my best wishes go to anybody who's vulnerable, who's elderly and who's worried. Uh, Keep keep our mental health up. Uh, I'm a big advocate for positive mental health. And anyone who wants to can hit me up on social media or and we'll have a conversation. But more importantly, look out for those around you who are in that position and keep an eye out for the signs that somebody might be struggling or a little bit anxious. Uh, we'll be back. I hope today's show hasn't upset anybody. And I know together we will get through this as a community and as a as a tribe of people and just keep an eye out for each other. Um, it's a tough time for everybody. Businesses, work, financially, mentally, and most importantly of all, physically, in terms of your own physical health, keep an eye out for each other and look out for everybody that we can over the next couple of weeks and months. We'll be back, hopefully on a daily schedule, but we might be paired back a little bit uh, over the next couple of weeks. But we'll bring you shows as and when we can. Uh, it's obviously quite hard to make shows at this point when we can't physically sit down with people to have a conversation it's not quite the same over the phone so where we have content that we feel is worth sharing with you uh, we will bring you updates where and when possible thank you very much for listening today i hope you got um the real story out of today's show Uh, i hope you got something that was worth listening to none of us really know what's ahead so um yeah stay safe and we'll talk to you very very soon